Welcome to the Healing Home Podcast. I'm Priya. And I'm Annie. We're your hosts, guides, and friends on this beautiful journey. Healing Home is your compassionate space on the joyful and chaotic journey of parenthood. Our conversations are deep dives filled with love, vulnerability, and a heck of a lot of authenticity. We show up and share so that you can do the same. Because at the end of the day, life can be really hard. But the reality is that we're not here to just exist. We're here to actually live and enjoy our lives. So buckle up and come along for a ride as we work through some of the most incredible things. Family dynamics, postpartum, trauma, and much, much more. Welcome home. I'm Priya Rednamwaldo. And I'm Annie Phillips. And, and we're, we're the, the co-founders, co-founders of Healing Home Group. And podcast yes. co-hosts yes. of the Healing Home Podcast. Second episode. Welcome, welcome back. Um, yes. We're so excited about today's episode because I always say to Priya, I'm like, if you get a group of women together and you tell them to talk about their pregnancy and their birth and postpartum experience, it could go on for hours. Buckle up, right? (laughs) Because because so often when we are asked about what's your due date or, oh, what's the theme of the nursery? But when you're asked about the really vulnerable part, you all of a sudden realize, oh my gosh, nobody's ever asked me that and sincerely wanted to know, like the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between. And so, yeah. When we've, when we've had an opportunity to talk to other uh, moms or parents about their postpartum or their birth experience. When we've had the opportunity, that's what we do. That's what we all do for a living. <laughs> that's a good point. We do it all the time. Yeah. We, we, yeah, they, they are excited, even if it's painful, to share and have a listening ear. So today, what? we're going to share our stories because we really believe mental health, um, even as professionals, like... Our society's mental health starts with with us. Yeah, yeah, and I've had many clients say to me that my openness and vulnerability has really helped them open up yeah. about their pregnancy, birth, and postpartum they don't story. Feel alone. Yeah, and yeah. like we're really taught um, in school, like you know, only to self-disclose when it's appropriate. Yeah. And I think self-disclosure. Uh, is very appropriate. For, for those out there that might not know what self-disclosure means, it just means like sharing your own story in the therapy space. Yeah, and um, for postpartum moms, it is so important yeah. to be vulnerable and tell your story and let people know the good, bad, and ugly mm-hmm. because I actually say it could save someone's life because yeah. um, maternal mental health complications and also... Uh, suicide is the number one pregnancy complication. So the more awareness we have of it, knowledge is power. <laughs> yes, the better outcomes. And so that's why Priya and I yeah. are deciding to get vulnerable today yeah. and share our stories because we have done a lot of work around these stories. Yes. So we have this new lens, this new perspective, and we can tell this story with confidence. Yeah, having gone through the healing journey, having struggled very significantly, gone through the healing journey and 
and come out feeling empowered on the other side. We don't want to keep that to ourselves. We as therapists, as women, as professionals, we feel like this obligation, a beautiful obligation to share that with the world. And so Annie, I wonder if you could get us started just talking about like how you decided to become a mom and then what your pregnancy, birth and postpartum experience was like. Decided to become a mom. I think I, I, when my dad used to ask me what I wanted to be when I was older, yeah, I would say a mom. <laughs> like I was always okay. just that. That I was mean, you. Yeah. yeah, I knew I wanted to be a mom. It was just always in me. And there's plenty of people who don't want to be, and yeah. that is perfectly okay. You got to do you. And so I, I um, have been with my husband since I was 19. Um, and so we actually had our first child earlier than a lot of our friends did. Mm-hmm. And I, despite having one little lonely ovary due to having endometriosis, and I was, and that's why I did try earlier because I was very yeah. concerned about my fertility because I had lost an ovary. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it isn't early, but I, I had my first at 28 or 29. Okay. Um, and, uh, I got pregnant really quickly. Mm-hmm. First first try, did not struggle with fertility despite so many anxious hours worrying about it. And yeah. rightfully so, I had that. Yeah, you were trying to plan based off of your medical history, mm-hmm. and I think so many parents do. And, and what is so unique, I think, right? You did all this planning thinking, well, I wanna start trying early mm-hmm. in case it takes some time and, um, Right with pregnancy and this whole bringing life into the world, it can be unpredictable. And you got pregnant right away. Yeah, and I got yeah. pregnant right away, and then I had a miscarriage. Yeah, which one in four women have miscarriages, and we will have a whole episode yeah. about pregnancy loss because Priya's experienced pregnancy loss as well, and yes. so that is something we will circle back on. Um, but yes, I had my first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. It was very painful. It was really difficult, but then I got pregnant again right away, like Mm -hmm. one month unexpectedly. And that's when I'm saying I didn't have issues getting pregnant. I got pregnant again with my beautiful baby girl and reflecting back, I had so many risk factors to developing postpartum anxiety. Like Coming off that anxiety of a miscarriage mm-hmm. so sh- and getting pregnant so shortly after I had a miscarriage, I that first trimester was hell. It <laughs> yeah. was rough. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I know Priya, you treat like I treat we treat so many clients with pregnancy loss. And yeah. like I always say to them, like, you're going to have anxiety. Like yes. this is this this is I can't sit here and say that you're not going to, but this is, let's make a plan on how to cope with it. Yeah. How did you try to cope with it? Or was it just like, I'm going to power through? So that was a part, that was a time in my life where I had zero vulnerability about my mental health. Yeah. So. Same. Like, <laughs> yes. And yeah. I know, and I know that cause I, I mean, I was with you during right, that right. time mm-hmm. and honestly, how I did cope with it was my amazing coworkers, like you were probably the people I was the most vulnerable with, yeah. but I didn't cope with it. And then I proceeded to have a pregnancy complication called IUGR, inner uterine growth restriction. 
and I had to get multiple ultrasounds. Um, I had to have a lot of extra doctor's appointments. There was always talk about your baby's not growing. Um, are you eating enough? My doctor asked me if I smoked. I was like, I don't smoke. Like, I just felt like yeah. everyone was blaming me because my baby wasn't growing. And I constantly had this looping um, narrative in my head that my baby isn't growing. It's my fault. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about how that is such a common experience, right? I think as the the birthing parent, right, moms, we often automatically are thinking about like, am I doing the right things during pregnancy to support my baby? But then when there is some sort of complication and then the questions you're asked by the medical system, even if they need to ask those questions, they're sometimes asked in a way that can feel very like blaming. And if you already had loss, anxiety because of it, and then yeah, you're really like experiencing pregnancy anxiety the whole time plus you were a professional who was working so hard. Can you talk a little bit about, because um, I know this, but I think our audience would love to know like what your work life was like at the time during your pregnancy. Okay. I love you, Children's Hospital. It was the beginning of my career. And I actually think everyone there, and shout out to all that. We, we yeah. worked in the PEDS HEMOC unit. The most wonderful, amazing, compassionate people. Mm-hmm. But... Everyone there that works there would agree with me. It was a stressful job. Yeah, high stress. How very high, high stress. expectations of everybody on the team. Yeah. Yes. And we're working with families that are literally experiencing the lowest point of their lives. Mm-hmm. And we're guiding them through that. Like you have a newborn baby and it was just diagnosed with cancer or rare, or rare blood disorder. And we're helping families through this process. And you know, when you're in the, like the midst of pregnancy and you're in a clinic day where you're seeing families back to back, like there was days where I wasn't eating enough. There was days I wasn't drinking enough. Um, And I know everybody in the healthcare field experiences that. And Mm -hmm. so that just contributed to my anxiety. And I, looking back, I, if I knew what I knew now, I would have been taking so much better care of myself but that's like Priya's goal is a lot of parents don't know what they know now, but yeah. we can, we can start those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's yeah. like a huge reflection on, you know, I, a lot of women just push through because they have no mm-hmm. other option. And I want to, and they, if I can just throw yeah. in here, they feel like they have to, they can't have both, right. They can't both take care of themselves and be doing a great job at work. So yeah. they push through because they're like, well, I've got to kind of kill it at work. Um, and the baby isn't here yet. So I don't, I don't think we, we make space for rest, self-care boundaries during pregnancy. Yeah. As long as, right, there isn't a doctor's note that says, you know, you need bed rest or something like that. We just, the expect, expectation is while well, you're operating on the same energy, um, job responsibility, all yeah. of that, right? But that you did, you bring up that baby. point, like, yeah. as long as there's not a doctor's note. But right. for my pregnancy, I did get a doctor's yeah. note that said, yeah. hey, I mean, my doctor was like, I recommend you go off work, but you can still work. And that was such a hard position to be in. Yeah. 
I, I wanted to go off work. This is towards the end of my pregnancy. Um, but I had all these factors as a woman in the United States, I had to factor my maternity leave in. Yes. And mm -hmm. so they wanted me to go off work a month early, but in my mind, and I was still uh, in training to become fully licensed mm -hmm. and all of, I had all these, I had a lot of student loans. I had all of really it was, practical considerations yes, and, that you have to take into account when you're deciding what's best for your health, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, right? Yeah. That you have to, you have to um, weigh is my health and my baby's health more important almost, or are the bills I need to think about more, or health insurance for that matter. Yeah, yeah. and it's the really length of pieces. maternity leave, and that is why I worked up until my birth. I actually yeah, worked okay. up until the, the day before I gave birth, and I didn't stay home, or I didn't, yeah, I didn't stay home, is because I if I took a month off yeah. early, then, that is a month less of maternity leave. Yeah. And I was so already so anxious about the time that I was going to mm -hmm. be able to spend with my baby. And so I, I think it, like all families in America go through this and I will talk about this subject. We could well, do a whole like series we will. of episodes. We on will, this, right? we will. Yeah. But so anyway, consideration of I, I worked until the day I gave birth. My daughter did come early because of the IUGR. She was not growing properly. Shout out to Sloan. Yeah, hey Sloan, <laughs> hey girl, hey. She's still a little peanut. Um, she was born under five pounds. Yeah. My birth was absolutely amazing. I credit to all the squats I did. Uh, <laughs> yes. ma I, I was like the queen You're of the stairmaster. Yeah. Um, you know, physical movement is very important to my mental health, and that is something that. I did maintain through that pregnancy. Okay. Some women can't. I was able to. I was very lucky. And I honestly, I always say, I am so lucky that I had a good birth experience because actually that's not common. Yeah. And if through my story, like I, I did something, you know, very positive. My birth was amazing. I had this beautiful little peanut who was under five pounds, the tiniest little thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I did have a good maternity leave. It was really mm -hmm. when I had to go back to work at 10 weeks postpartum is yeah. when things kind of started tell, spiraling. Tell, talk to like what you like, like when you say you had a good maternity leave, like what was good about it? And then what was that transition? Because I, I think that is such a a point of connection in a lot of women's stories or a lot of parents' stories, the going back to work. Um, so what was good? I, my daughter was born at the end of August. I love fall. Yeah. It was yeah. just like this. Especially in Michigan. It's yeah. beautiful, right? And I had my amazing dog, Max. Shout out to Max. Um, <laughs> and I just developed a routine on maternity leave. Okay. Lots of walks. Like I got yeah. a, um, one of those awesome running strollers off of Facebook marketplace. We just mm -hmm. walked everywhere. Dog came. And I was outside, beautiful weather. But then about six weeks into maternity leave, I started getting really anxious because I had to go back to work at 10 weeks postpartum. Okay, yeah. And that's when the anxiety set in. And that's when I should have got help right. right there. Like if you, yeah, if you could give advice to Annie from then, you would say like, hey, 
if if these this anxiety is bubbling up for you, understandably, like seek help now. So I want to talk about why I didn't get help. Yeah, and absolutely. why so many so many people, so yeah. many professional women don't get help because I felt ashamed. Mm-hmm. I felt like if I said I need a therapist, I need medication possibly, that yeah. I would be looked down upon, and I wouldn't be this mom, this view of a mom that I thought I should be. Yeah. Yeah, that it was a weakness to struggle and get help. Um, yeah, I think that's such a common feeling, that shame of, oh, well, everybody else is able to do it and not need help. And I didn't know any yeah. other moms that yeah, had yeah. spoken to me about getting help. And I, so I didn't even know where to turn. Yeah. And so how my anxiety presented, and I think this is really important to note and remember because postpartum anxiety can be really difficult to navigate, Mm -hmm. is my anxiety presented in intrusive thoughts. And so, Priya, I want you to kind of explain what intrusive thoughts are for me because... I I can get really long-winded with this. (laughs) Well, intrusive thoughts are really just thoughts that automatically pop into your head, right? And sometimes intrusive thoughts aren't upsetting, Mm -hmm. right? We can just have a random thought that pops into our head. Oh, my butt looks good today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a great one. Um, But also, during this postpartum period, the intrusive thoughts that come into your head can be upsetting. Um, A really common one that people experience, for example, is if you're giving baby a bath, like, oh my gosh, what if baby drowns? And what ends up happening is moms and moms and dads both, they start to think, oh my God, am I, am I unwell? Am I going to hurt my baby? But instead, what those thoughts really are, are a protective factor, right? They are there. They pop into our head because once we enter this really new space of parenthood, um, our brain is trying to protect our baby for mm-hmm. us. It's trying to help us protect our baby. So like to have that thought, oh my God, what if my baby drowns is actually, oh, I'm going to be really careful when I'm giving baby a bath, make sure that, you know, baby's head is supported, make sure that uh, somebody's always with the baby. Like That's actually meant to protect. But if you don't know that, and so many people don't have that knowledge. You internalize it. You internalize mm-hmm. it. And that's what happened yeah. with you, Annie. Yeah. I internalized it. I was having very, very intense intrusive thoughts, and some of them related to some childhood trauma that I had not worked through at that point. And now I recognize that that was probably really important to work through before I had kids. Um, But it's never too late to heal. Um, So um, I kept it all to myself, and I thought I was a horrible mom. And as a clinical social worker at Children's Hospital that engaged in – work with child protective services on a weekly basis. I thought if I told anyone these thoughts that they were going to, I had intrusive thoughts that they were going to take my baby away. It was a real fear that, oh my gosh, to even have these thoughts, it is akin to not being fit as a mom. It was terrifying. And so I finally, way too late, but it's never too late to heal. (laughs) I, I, I got help. How how did you how did you do that? Because I think that's really, really important to highlight. Like, how did it translate? Like, what was what was the moment or moments that led to you getting help? Actually, it was I spoke to my mom and I finally 
told her, I was like, I'm having these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she goes, that's normal. Mm. And I just started crying because yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. And yes. I was yeah. I, I was like, how did I not know that this was normal? I work in the mental health field. Yeah. And so then I got into therapy um, and also my amazing coworkers at Children's U and Wendy and LaShonda, like you really supported me through that. But I didn't get enough help at that time. Yeah. I, I, I did not, I saw a therapist, she was wonderful, but she was not a perinatal therapist. Like mm-hmm. I, I had the training, the background, the wherewithal to actually help myself a lot. Yeah. And I know a lot of women don't have that out there. And that is was part of my mission of when we started Healing Home Group is yeah. like, everyone needs to know about postpartum anxiety. Right. It should and just be a common knowledge. Yeah. Right? And so I, yeah. and then I also, um, I'm now on medication to help with my anxiety. And with, I was actually really ashamed to go on medication. It was a really hard decision, but, mm-hmm. you know, I went into it and I was like, I need this in this season of my life and I will reevaluate every year if I need to continue this. Yeah. And oh my I can tell you when I'm at home with my husband and like the kids are freaking out and I'm just sitting there calmly, my husband's like, How are you like yeah. so regulated right now? And I'm like, It's the Lexapro. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the real tools that we can use. And right, we know that medication isn't the right tool for everyone, mm-hmm. but it was the right tool for you and continues to be the right tool yeah. for you uh, as as you continue parenthood. Yes, yeah. yeah, and it might not always be the right yeah. tool, but at this moment in my life when I have young children and I'm trying to juggle it all, yeah, it helps to keep me grounded and present. And, you know, before I couldn't apply the therapeutic tools that I knew because Mm -hmm. my nervous system was so dysregulated. And so with that regulation, I can then utilize my coping skills. Because I always say, you can learn all the coping skills in the world, but if you are not grounded enough to use them, then they're useless, yeah, right? They're just, they're just skill, like a list, essentially, yes. of, of tools, but you can't actually pick any of them up. Yeah, so yeah. enough about my story, and I'm sure through our episodes, we will continue yeah. talking about that postpartum period, and I actually am really excited to talk about my second because, mm-hmm. whoa, COVID. <laughs> and so, but I want to hear, because yeah. Priya had a very different experience than me. Yes. Because her anxiety, like me, I had a birth with very, no complications, mm-hmm. but Priya's anxiety stemmed from a traumatic birth. And so yeah. s- tell me, tell your story. All right. Please. And I will, I'll throw out there, I'm not going to go into the details of the trauma in case anybody um, might be, uh, right, their, act, their system activated by that. But I will just share, yeah, what it was like for me. So I too always knew I wanted to be a parent. Um, and when I was lucky to meet my husband in the army um, in what feels like a different life now. But when we met, we knew whenever we were ready to have kids, we would um, settle by family. So we we also did a lot of planning, Mm -hmm. um, which I think professionals in particular really try to do. You try to time it up, all that good stuff. So um, we 
we had all our ducks in a row. I too had um, no difficulty becoming pregnant, which I was, uh, I feel very thankful for, because again, it's not everyone's experience. And I generally had a really healthy pregnancy. And I didn't have, I, I had some anxiety, um, general anxiety before, but I didn't have a lot of pregnancy related anxiety. And the reason is I just assumed I've done a lot of hard things in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a combat veteran, I've jumped out of airplanes, I've done all these things, and I just assumed that this would be um, easier. I think it's a fair assumption, right, that this would be easier, but it was not. Um, And when I finally, um, I went through pregnancy, felt really good, um, and then when it came to giving birth, that really threw me for a loop. And what ended up happening um, was that I, my my little one was turned, Jack, shout out Jack, um, was turned in the OP position. It was like a really, really painful labor. And then I was pushing and pushing and pushing. They denied you an epidural. I did not get an epidural <laughs> despite like asking for one several times. And it was in the middle of the night, which may have been a contributing factor, but I and and Priya, I want to know, you thought you were going to die. I thought I was going to die. And I thought my baby could die, right? Mm -hmm. That's where this this unique experience of birth is unlike anything else because I thought, I had been told, like, oh, if you're in good physical shape, like, pushing, no problem. And three hours later, I was like, this is a problem. (laughs) And I was not feeling safe. And the way that the medical system... I don't, I don't knock the nurses, I don't knock the physician, but I felt really ill-informed about what was going on with my body, with my son. Eventually, he thankfully did come out, but what was really a shock to my system and my way of thinking was they had to take him to the NICU for a little bit, and I felt relieved. I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm actually really thankful that I don't have to hold my baby right now. And there's something about that that stayed with me and that I really experienced post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. after that. Thinking that I was gonna die, all of the things you think about, kind of flashbacks, feeling really dysregulated, um, and it was it was painful. Um, I did get screened by my OB and got sent to a, a therapist, and this is why it's so important to see a perinatal therapist because mm-hmm. I went right away, I was like, okay, I need to, I need help. My husband realized I was struggling too. Um, but the first time I met with my therapist, she said, I think you're going to hurt your baby. You need to call your mother-in-law. This was literally, Annie, if you can believe it, in the in in the office. Oh, I, I believe to, it. I believe <laughs> it. I, yeah. You need to call your mother-in-law and tell her she needs to come over and take the baby or be with you with the baby because I don't think you're safe. This is how kids die. And I was a social work student at the time. And I'm like, I knew that wasn't true. But to feel so powerless Mm -hmm. was just really, really challenging. So So powerless. Yes. This is like a a theme. theme. And I think a theme with my pregnancy and birth story. And we are going to continue this conversation on our next episode. And we're going to have a guest come on too. And we're going to continue because you can be well like just to throw in there i finally did 
two and a half years later, never too late to heal. Yes. I got engaged in therapy. I too am on medication. I recognize my strengths, my challenges, and I'm able to pick up those tools. So as you continue to follow um, our journeys and hear of all the other journeys that we are going to highlight, we are excited for, for you to understand how to pick up your tools and those real solutions for families that have lots of complexities and lots of dreams. Yeah, and we want you to continue to heal with us. Yes. Heal your home. So we're excited for our next episode and hope everyone has a wonderful day. Yes, talk to you soon.